When Seth Collins, 32, and his family decided to follow the instructions in his late brother's will to leave a $500 tip for a restaurant server, he had no idea it would lead to a contagion in donations that is clocking at $48,000 and counting. After his younger brother Aaron died on July 7th of unknown causes, his family found a will on his computer. Besides leaving instructions about what to do with a couple of his possessions, like his motorcycle and artwork, he told his family, Third, leave an awesome tip, and I don't mean 25%, I mean $500 on a pizza. Seth Collins, 32, his younger sisters and his parents decided to make a website for friends and family to contribute to Aaron's last wish. As his family awaits the coroner's report, they are honoring their brother by going to restaurants, usually together or with friends. Three weeks later, the website, AaronCollins.org, has raised $48,000 all of which will be distributed in $500 tips to restaurant servers. The Collins family has given away six tips in cash, or $3,000, as of Monday. He was a generous guy, and it's one of the reasons he didn't leave the money to do it himself, Seth Collins said. I don't think Aaron would have collected that much money before he gave it away. If he had extra money and friends came over, he would take friends out to dinner. Collins said his younger brother was known to give big tips, though not in the scope of $500, leaving a $50 tip for a meal of chicken wings and beer at Buffalo Wild Wings once, for example. Aaron's best friend was a waitress for a large part of her life while she was a student, and Aaron had seen what it was like for her, with low pay and hours on her feet, he said. The Collins family chooses a restaurant at random by what they are in the mood to eat, and the frequency of the visits varies. Sometimes his parents, Tina and Gurney, prefer to cook dinner at home. Some weeks I may be able to take a break from going out to eat, he said. The six restaurants were mostly in Lexington, Kentucky, though they have also left large tips in two restaurants within an hour's drive. The family intentionally went to a pizza restaurant for the first tip, as Aaron specified. As far as the server, we show up at the restaurant at whatever table we're seated at. We don't do anything other than that, Collins said. The recipient of the second tip was Chelsea Powell, a server at an Italian restaurant, Bella Notte, in Kentucky. Powell, a college student with three jobs, was reluctant to accept the money, asking, Are you kidding? And what? Several times. Tears, smiles, and hugs are common responses from the servers. He sounds like an awesome guy, Powell said in the video the Collinses recorded. Collins added that his family decided to leave a tip no matter the quality of service. No one has recognized us, Collins said, when asked if servers are vying to wait their table. A couple of them had heard of it, but they weren't aware that it was me. When asked what he has learned, Collins said, doesn't seem to be about the money. It's about the random kindness, 
that unexpected kindness from a stranger, not just people who have gotten the money, but people who have watched it. And I think that really surprised me. I first heard that story about Aaron Collins and his family a few months ago on the radio. And since, you know, it was just July that he passed away. It's not been that long. The total is now over $60,000 that people have donated just hearing these stories. And if you ever want a nice pick-me-up and you have access to the Internet, if you just need something to make you smile a little bit, I recommend you go on the website and just click on one of the videos because the family um, videos on, you know, on a cell phone or something, not on anything high quality, every time they, they give one of those tips to a server and those videos they post up on the website, just click on any one of them. It really doesn't matter which one because the reactions are pretty universal from the server's. Today, I wanted to talk about generosity. And I wanted to talk about generosity as a spiritual practice, but I wanted to be really clear about what the message of generosity was. And I thought that it was, it was this, this story of Aaron Collins and that story from Ethiopia that really um, brought it home to me. But what it, it was exactly that I wanted to say about generosity today And it's not that I think that we are called to give away all of our earthly possessions. It's not that I think that we're called to give away all of our cattle and our land and our house. But rather, I think that what we're called to do as Unitarian Universalists is be in relationship with others. And to do things in this world that add kindness and beauty to it. And in a world where so many things are so ugly and so many people are are prone to selfishness because that's what we are taught is an appropriate value to add kindness and beauty to our world in truly selfless ways um, is, is a real gift that we can add to this world. How many of you have ever been out to eat to a restaurant where you had a waiter or a waitress? No one? None of you? I I figured that would at least be a pretty universal experience here. How many of you have ever worked as a waiter or a waitress in a food service establishment? Yeah, fewer hands, but still quite a number of them. I did in college myself, and it has long been my assertion that our, our society would be a better one if everyone had to spend six months as a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant sometime. Those of you who've done it, I saw the hands go up, you're nodding. I think our society would be a better one if everyone just spent six months waiting tables somewhere or working behind the counter at at a food service establishment. Because um, if you did that, and those of you who've done it can probably attest to that, if you did that, just six months, it wouldn't, maybe even three months would be fine. You would experience um, the way in which people treat those who serve them in, in our society. And it's not just waiters and waitresses, but all sorts of people who serve us in our society. I don't know how many times 
you all have been in a restaurant when someone has been treating a waiter or a waitress with uh, less than kindness. But I see it all the time. And I saw it a lot when I was working you know, behind the line in a, in a cafeteria. I saw it a lot. That people um, it, that who were nice people, people who were good people, people who, if I ran into them on the sidewalk, would treat me with care and respect, all of a sudden saw me in a subservient role and thought that they could say just about anything they wanted to me in just about any tone of voice that they could take out their frustrations of the world on me or you know they might have been having a bad day but I was going to be the recipient of their bad day because I had to stand behind that counter no matter what it was that they said to me and if I responded in kind I would lose my job so I was kind of trapped there it's one of the reasons why I think this, this project of giving $500 tips to waiters and waitresses um, is such an astounding one. I don't myself necessarily have an extra $500 for, uh, for a tip when I go out to eat, but I do um, try my best to see the people who serve me as human beings and to treat them as such. And every now and then to offer just a little bit of extra kindness and beauty in the world. The story from Ethiopia about the young girl who brought the perfect orange to the Negus is a story that represents um, lessons that are found in cultures all over the world. Culture, many different cultures throughout the world teach about selflessness and generosity. And many of them teach us that when we are generous and selfless, when it is in fact that we do something kind for someone else just to make them happy, just to give them a gift that they were not expecting, when we do something to help someone else who is struggling, um, we actually get rewards for that ourselves. It's taught in cultures the world over. It's unlikely that we will get rewards of gold and riches, but try it. Tell me, how, tell me how it works. But we get rewards for, for doing that. We get the reward of relationship. We get the reward of gratitude. And we get the reward of knowing that we have added just a little bit of beauty and kindness to the world. We get the reward of knowing that we are living out the principles that we claim to espouse including that every person that we interact with has inherent worth and dignity. Sometimes we get tangible rewards as well. In my previous employment, when I worked for our association's headquarters in Boston, I did a lot of flying around the country to, uh, to different uh, congregations. I did a lot of workshops in congregations all around the country. I was a, you know, a consultant to congregations, and so I had to fly a lot. So I was in airports, more than my fair share. And people who work in airports and on commercial airplanes are also service people. And you might have, in your experience, seen those people also treated with less than the human dignity that, than, that they deserve. I know that I have many, many times. The, the gate agents 
at airports, um, flight attendants on planes and such. Well, there was one day when I was in the Charlotte airport in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was flying to Boston for, um, for actually a very important meeting that I was going to arrive not too long before. And uh, my flight to Boston was canceled. And it was canceled because there were huge thunderstorms on the East Coast. I mean, everyone could see the weather pattern. There were just a gigantic line of thunderstorms moving through the Northeast. And as if the employee of the airline had conjured the thunderstorms <laughs> herself just to interrupt the travel plans of my fellow people in the Charlotte airport, um, people um, were getting uh, really irate with the woman whose job it was. This was before you could get on an app and just rebook yourself or go to a kiosk. You had to like wait on a line and, uh, and get rebooked on a new flight. And her job was simply to rebook everyone on our flight on a new flight to Boston. And people, um, the words that they used um, are not ones that I would dare speak from the pulpit. Um, it was that ugly in that line. It really was. And, and um, they, were, they were blaming her for this flight having been canceled, as if even if she had conjured the thunderstorms, she had made the decision to, uh, to cancel that flight. You know, everyone in that line in their brain knew that this woman behind the services desk had neither conjured the thunderstorms nor actually made the decision to cancel the flight. And she was doing her best to get us all on the next flight. And, and the language and the attitude that people treated her with um, was, was absolutely unbelievable to me as a human being, much less as a religious professional. And I, as I got to the front of the line, people were cursing at her and yelling at her and like spit flying from their mouth at her. I mean, just irate, red in the face. How dare you cancel this flight? I have an important meeting in Boston. Don't you know who I am? All this kind of stuff. And bless her heart, as we would say in North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> she, she was just standing there and taking it all because she knew if she responded in any way in kind, she would lose her job. And my guess is she had a family who were uh, counting on that income. And the man in front of me just unleashed this, this invective upon her that um, just had no place in civil society. And she, th it was a 10 a.m. flight to Charlotte that was canceled, or a flight to Boston that was canceled. And there were flights every hour to Boston at that time from Charlotte. And, um, and she said, sir, you know, I'm sorry that the earliest flight I can get you on is the 3 p.m. flight. Um, I, I know that's not going to make you happy, but it's the earliest one I have a ticket available in. And, you know, and the words, and he continued, don't you know, oh, I have to get there. And she said, I'm sorry, sir, it's thunderstorms. There really is nothing I can do. And, um, and she gave him a voucher for lunch at the airport, you know, because she's like, you know, I know you're going to be here through the lunch hour, so here, have some lunch on us. And she was doing everything she possibly could to be nice to him, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter. He was not treating her like a human being. And so um, I got to the front of the line, and I said um, to this woman, I said, you know, before you rebook me, I just want to say that um, on behalf of all of my fellow passengers, I apologize for, for the way you've been treated. I'm pretty sure you didn't cause the thunderstorms. 
and I would appreciate just three o'clock would be okay. I'll miss my meeting in Boston and everyone will understand. So if you have a spot on that three o'clock flight, don't worry about me getting angry. Um, and, and she's, you know, standing there at, the, at the, the counter. And she said, well, you know, I, there happens to be one seat left on the 11 a.m. flight. <laughs> and she said, but it's in first class, so I have to upgrade you to give it to you. Sometimes you get tangible results from your kindness as well. Even if those tangible results are just a comfy seat and making it in time for your flight, for your, your very important meeting. And I'm sure my meeting was very important. I don't remember what it was, but I do remember that day very well. It, it behooves us, wherever we are, to treat the people that we encounter with kindness, with respect, and with generosity. And so all of those of you who have been waiters or waitresses or servers of various sorts, and those of you who have not, I want you to spend just a minute thinking about how, it, how you would react if um, at a very casual restaurant with a very low bill, someone gave you a $500 tip. How would you react? You probably wouldn't much believe it either because it's not the way we're used to treating one another in our society. Things like that make the news. They make ABC news from which Mary and Red, they make NPR news, they make CNN. They make the news because they are so unusual in our society. So I'd like us to think as we leave here today, what is it that we add to the lives of others by practicing our faith in the world, by practicing the principles of Unitarian Universalism in the world, by practicing, um, as one bumper sticker I remember once read, random kindness and senseless acts of beauty. Random acts of generosity, like ones that Aaron Collins, who died of cancer at 30, left us behind. Random acts of recognizing the abundance that is around us. Random acts of acknowledging the humanity of someone whose humanity does not get acknowledged all the time. Random acts of sharing whatever it is we have with someone around us who maybe has a little less, be it a perfect orange or our bags of riches. As I was doing research for this sermon, I um, found other news stories about random and unexpected generosity. Apparently, there are dry cleaners around the country um, who have begun posting signs in their doors that read, if you are unemployed and need an outfit cleaned for an interview, we will clean it for free. This, this astounding and very small act of generosity on behalf of dry cleaners around the country uh, has made news in, in any number of cities, in New York, in Portland, Oregon. I mean, I found news stories about dry cleaners who were willing to clean one more outfit for free for someone to go on an interview with. So today, as we leave here, I want us to think about what it would mean to live our principles out loud in the world and what it would mean to practice random kindness 
to practice unexpected generosity, to practice recognizing the humanity of the people that we come in contact with. May it be so.